Luke 8, verse 22. Let's just pray. Sweet Jesus, move in our midst tonight. Lord, we've not come to put on a show or to be entertaining. We've come to glorify you, Lord, and to worship you. And we've come to give hurting people an opportunity to be healed, to be saved, to find newfound hope, to find deliverance, to find encouragement, to find strength, to find direction. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to have the ability in the next few moments to have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to have the ability to tune out the pressures of life that we've experienced today, the problems that we're facing tomorrow, and possibly even when we get home tonight. And let us focus upon you, who is the problem solver. Move in our midst, Lord. Glorify yourself. We'll be sure to say thank you and to give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I thought the Lord was going to take me somewhere else there for a minute, but Jesus, myth, fable, or miracle worker. You see, you've got to solve the question in your own spirit and in your own heart and in your own mind that Jesus is who he says he is and can and will do what his word says he will do. You've got to not allow yourself to slip into a religious mentality or a way of thinking. Oh, well, I know God can, but he won't. I was talking with Shelby, Mark 7. You know, he talks to us about how our own traditions, if we're not careful, can make the word of God of no effect in our lives. If you are bound by a religious tradition or spirit, you're in bondage. And you need to be free from that. You see, Jesus, if you really study his life and look at it, you recognize the fact that he was mad. I don't care what you say or think about your theology. When he was in those temple thumping tables over and take that bull whip and run people out, Jesus was hot. He was mad that they had turned his house into a marketplace. He was mad that they were not using the temple for what the temple was to be used for. And I believe that that's why it's in the Word of God that you can be angry and sin not. It's how you handle your anger. God knows. Come on, Glenda, say amen. I used to have one more temper. Amen. 
She looked like one of them bobblehead dolls over there. <laughs> no. You go read that passage in Romans where it talks about what shall separate us from the love of God. We're all quick to quote it, and true it is, but there's a passage that we really need to take to heart where the author writes these words, For I am persuaded. How persuaded are you of the reality of God's word in your life? How committed to God's word are you? He's committed to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. His word will accomplish what he sent it to do. But how committed are you to his word? How much do you believe it? How much do you accept it? How much do you trust God's word? Let me read a passage of Scripture. It's lengthy. It'll probably take me longer to read it than it will for me to share what God has instructed me to share tonight because I never was hooked on phonics. 8.22. I'm going to read through chapter 9, the second verse. So stay with me. It's important for all of these stories that are in this story to make the point that I want to make. 8.22. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said unto them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. One translation says, and were about to sink. And they said to him and woke him saying, they came to him and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and he, they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said unto them, Where is your faith? Now we know that Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I went to Webster's. For those of you that can't understand the Bible, you can understand Webster's. This is what it says about faith, because it's important and relevant to the rest of what we're going to read. It says, it's an unquestioning belief. Complete confidence or trust. Now, how much faith do you really have? Some of us are like the disciples that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Chew on that. Verse 25. But he said unto them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying one to another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when, Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. 
for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many demons had entered them. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered to the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the, in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he had been depossessed, demon-possessed, was healed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat, and he returned. Now the man whom the demons had departed from uh, begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So it was that when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him from the, they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her life, livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped and Jesus he said who touched me when all denied Peter and those who uh, with him said master the multitudes throng and press you and you say who touched me but Jesus said somebody touched me for I perceive power going out from me now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all of the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered and he said, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called him, saying, Little girl, arise. And then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Verse chapter 9. Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. 
and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Brothers and sisters, as a disciple of God, whether you believe it or not, God has the ability to impart into you and he desires to impart into you to be a difference maker in people's lives. Now you in and of yourself are not a healer and you can heal, but you can be the hand of the Lord represented in this world of sickness and disease, pain and suffering, anguish and addiction. I want you to realize something that when Jesus said to the disciples, where is your faith? That's what I would ask of each of us tonight. Where is your faith? You see, it doesn't take great faith. It takes a little faith in a great God. But you have to get to a place that you know in your heart and in your spirit that God is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to recognize that he's not grown old, weak, feeble, senile. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anything that he's ever been able to do, he's able to do present day. I don't care what people say. I care what God says. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the end of the world. I'll make ways where there seems to be no ways. He still parts water. He still heals cancer. He still revives struggling businesses. He still restores marriages that are on the verge of breaking up. He still is the one that imparts into a man wisdom when he's confused and doesn't know what to do. He'll guide his steps. He's still the one that steps into the storms of your life and says, Peace! And there's a great calm. And there's a peace. I promise you this. In all of my years of serving the Lord and in ministry, only in recent years have I ever gotten to a place to where I know exactly what God wants of me. Come on, brother. Shout me down now if you want to. It's simply this. For me to seek God, hear God, and obey God. It's that simple. I don't have to figure it out. All I've got to do is be a seeker of God, one of his sheep that knows his voice, listen to his voice, don't follow another voice, but do what he says. And watch him show up and show out in our lives, in our church, in our homes. Look, he's God. You're not. That's why you need him. That's why I need him. Oh, man, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or even think. He knows what I have need of even before I ask. But he wants me to ask. Come on, Marabella, say amen. She needs healing. So he said, where's your faith? What did they say? What manner of man is this? That even the storms, the winds obey him. Settle that question in yourself as to what manner of man he is. He's God in the flesh. He's the one that spoke and created something out of nothing. And if he hadn't changed, he can still speak into the darknesses and voids in your life. And he can speak things into existence in your life. He can not only give you hope, but he can give you the reality of the answers and the moves in your life that you need. But you've got to seek him. You've got to come to him. You've got to hunger for righteousness. You've got to thirst for him. 
and you'll be filled. You know, I'm convinced. The old song, I forgot who sang it. There's no shortage on God's mercy. There's no shortage on God's love. The shortage is on our end. He doesn't run out of love. He doesn't run out of power. He doesn't run out of answers. I know this is a very different message than I normally preach, but I've been stirred to try to stir you to get to a place where our expectancy of a great God becomes greater than we've ever expected of him before. I don't want us in Greenwood, Wascombe, surrounding areas to be like the people of his own hometown where he could do no great miracle there because of what? Their unbelief, their lack of expectancy. Every time we hit the floor, every day, we need to be expecting God to be with us. We need to be expecting God to go before us. We need to be expecting the Lord to speak to us and to guide our steps and to help us be used by him and to help us reach into hurting people's lives whom the devil has convinced that their situation is unique and that it's hopeless. I will never quit saying this. One of the devil's favorite tools that he's most successful with is to try to convince you that your situation is hopeless. Do you know if you get to that mentality that you think it's hopeless, you can't have faith? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you lose hope, you can't have faith. So what happens? You begin to get religious. You begin to ask amiss. You begin to speak words that are far from your heart. You know, that's the church the Lord warned us about would come. So there'll be a people that come that praise me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. Where is your heart tonight? What's in your heart? You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Because the Bible says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you're not in a church meeting, what's coming out of your mouth? This is not a beat you up time. This is a challenge you time. This is an encourage you time. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. He's got our best interest at heart. He's got our back. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me to come clean with him. Amen. Terry and I were talking in my office earlier about the importance of obedience. If I'm not mistaken, the word says that obedience, to simply obey, is better than any sacrifice you can make. Amen. To obey God's word. Amen. Now sometimes it don't feel good, it doesn't taste good, and it's certainly not what we want to do. Amen. Terry told you a while ago, he, the furthest thing in the world from what he wanted to do was come out here and have me to pray for him. I've had to do a whole lot of things that I really didn't want to do. But I knew God was speaking to me to do it. And I promise you, if you'll obey God, obey his word, you will see the power of God manifest and demonstrated in your lives. Now, from this passage that we read, and I'm going to wrap this up and close it up, because I don't, I don't need to belabor what, what we've read. 
What manner of man is this? Let's look at the manner of man that he is. We see there in the four different stories that he has the power over storms and the winds and the, the circumstances of life that come along. He has power over the demonic realm, the devils, addictions and chains and bondages and things that, the, that we oftentimes take on ourselves voluntarily in the beginning. Until we get to a place that becomes a stronghold, then we become an addict, and then our life turns upside down and falls apart, oftentimes costing us our marriages, our businesses, our, definitely our relationships with God. But he's over that. He can set you free. We see in verse 47 where he has the power over sickness and disease. This woman with the issue of blood that had spent all that she had and not only didn't get any better, she got worse. But she believed. She had that unquestioning belief. She had that complete confidence and trust that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And she did. And she was. Lastly, we see in verse 55 where he has the power over death and that he raised the little girl from the dead. Listen, before he ascended, he descended into the regions of the damned and he took the keys of death, hell, and a grave away from Satan. He's the giver of life. He sits before us, life and death, and he says, choose life. Why is that? Because in case we have any self-righteous people in here, let me tell you why he said that. Because we have all were conceived in sin. We were born in sin. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But there's one that doesn't fit that bill. His name's Jesus who was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world, that stayed faithful to the mission for which he came, even unto death. But the story don't end there. Easter Sunday morning, three days later, he walks out of a grave, alive. And he's alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. But it don't end there. He's coming back to get us, to take us out of this mess. To live in a place with him where the sun don't even need to shine. For his glory will illuminate heaven. Just to be in his presence. I want to say one thing and I'm going to quit. Word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I used to have the line of thinking, uh-huh, you tough sucker. When you get before him, he's going to drive you to your knees. But I was wrong. Just like that Roman soldier at the foot of the cross when he realized and said, truly, this was the Son of God. When you stand before the presence of Jesus, oh, those knees are going to buckle. Saint and sinner alike, we're going to confess and acknowledge the fact of who he is. Not just what he's done, but who he is. You see, true worship is not because of what he can do or what he's done. That's to praise. We're to praise him for that. 
But true worship is just an adoration, a deep love, and a sense of who he is. He's love. God is love. Bow your heads and I'm going to close. You're in this place tonight. And one of these stories that we read, whether it's storms going on in your life right now or whether you've got an addiction and the devil's tormenting you and got strongholds in your life, then there's a wide range of those. Whether you have sickness in your body, whether you have a fear of death and dying, you're uncertain about eternity. I want you to know that for all of those, Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. If you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, there are storms going on in my life that I'd appreciate if you'd pray for me. Could I see your hand real quick? Slip it up. Get it up. Get it up. Yes. Hands everywhere. Take them down. You're here tonight. Nobody's looking around, but it's time for you to come clean with yourself and with God. There's some strongholds and there's some addictions and some bondage in your life. It can be a lot of stuff. But if that's you, and you're ready to lay it at the foot of Jesus. Could I see your hand? I want to pray for you. Get him up. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you, young man. Thank you, lady. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Quickly. This is your moment. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm going to ask again. I hadn't felt a release in my spirit. Anybody else? You say, Dennis, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe like Terry, you've been told you have cancer, leukemia, heart disease, diabetes, whatever. But there's a sickness in your body. We want to pray for you. We want to ask God to heal you. If that's you, would you raise your hand and let's say, Dennis, that's me. Yes, many hands across this place. Now maybe you're here in this place tonight and you say, Dennis, he's got the power over death. And he'll be the one to do all of the judging. And if I were to stand before him tonight, I know that hell would be my eternal home, but I... I know I need change in my life. I need to receive the work that's already been done on Calvary. And I need to receive the gift of life and forgiveness that comes only through the blood of Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Anyone, anywhere, real quickly. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Very quickly, say, that's me. I need to get some things right with God. Anyone else? Thank you, young man. Anyone else? Maybe you're that prodigal son or daughter. You're out there wallowing in that pig pen, and tonight the Lord's speaking to you those words you need to to come home to your Heavenly Father. If that's you, could I see your hand? Slip it up. Yes. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you. Now everybody look up here at me for just a moment. I'm going to pray for... 
Many hands went up for different things in here tonight, but I want you to understand something. There's no magic. We come to the Lord, we put all of our bags in one asket. We believe when we ask. Scripture tells us, don't pray as the heathen do, for they think they're heard for their much speaking, but rather when you pray, believe. Believe tonight when we ask. And as I pray a general prayer, you pray a specific prayer with God, and you come clean with what you need. But now for those of you that raised your hand for salvation, in case you don't know what the Word of God says, very simply it says that if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God that came to this earth to die a death and pay a price that we couldn't pay, he shed in innocent, sinless blood to redeem sinful man to holy God. Nothing can wash away our sins but his blood. But he didn't stay dead. Walked out of that grave. First day of the week on that Sunday morning. And he's alive today. And the word says if we believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We become a child of God. And we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. Now, that's the beginning of a journey. You'll need to be baptized. We encourage you to be. You need to begin to learn to hear God's voice. Study his word. His word is what will build faith in you. Faith comes one way. That's the word of God. But you've got to accept ownership for yourself. You've got to embrace that what you sow into God is what comes back multiplied. If you don't sow anything, guess what? There's no harvest. So it's on you. Now, we'll be here to help you. We'll encourage you. We'll give you some teaching. We'll give you some materials. But it's up to you. So with that knowledge, let's pray. And pray with me. You see, my prayers can't save you. So let's pray. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I do believe you're God's son that loved me enough to die in my place, but that you didn't stay dead. You're alive today. So I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life, and to be my Savior and my Lord. Help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to learn your ways. Form in me the convictions that you would have me to have of the do's and the don'ts. And that I'll measure up to your expectations, not man's. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for everyone else that raised their hand for, for the addictions, Father, we just come right now. We bind the strong man. We take authority and dominion over that as they lay these addictions at your feet. We pray, Lord, that the chains would be broken, that the curse would be lifted, that, God, that they would walk out of here tonight free, and that, Lord, they'll shout it from the rooftop of how you delivered them and set them free. For those, Lord, that in the middle of storms in their life right now, just like you did in this story that we read, we ask you to rebuke the storms and for peace to come.
Let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding come and rule and reign in the hearts of these that are troubled tonight. For those that are sick, those that have disease, those that have had diagnosis of different things, that everything is subject and beneath the name of Jesus. And so we ask you, Lord, to heal them. We ask you, Lord, that doctors would confirm that they no longer have whatever it was that they had when they walked in here tonight. And Lord, we thank you for testimonies that will come of your goodness and your faith. Lord, just bind us together with love. Help us to live a life that's pleasing to you and enjoyable for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Nathaniel's on vacation. Brian's going to make a couple announcements and pray, and I'm going to get to the front. Love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Aaron. Tithe boxes are located by the doors. Give us the Lord directs. Prayer request list is on the bulletin board. That is a long list. If you haven't seen it, prayer warriors, you know what to do. And overflow meets on Sundays at 6 p.m. Why don't we pray one more time? Lord, you've been so good to us. And we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for your word tonight, Lord. And I pray right now that you will protect and keep every person in this place tonight till we have an opportunity to come back again and be in your presence. Lord, we thank you for once more for all that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.